Meeting others from other cultures can be one of the greatest gifts in your walk as a kingdom builder. When you ask questions and you seek understanding of other cultures and traditions, it can actually bring a lot of clarity and fresh perspective to our own faith. Imagine that, that God would use every single human experience to draw us closer to him. Hmm. Yeah, all sarcasm aside, this episode is going to give you encouragement, practical tools, and hope as we engage with people of different cultural backgrounds and point them towards Christ. Here we go. Welcome to episode number 45 of the Faith School Podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who are ready to put their faith into action in every area of their life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. This practical podcast is not just a list of how-tos, but it's here to prompt you to take action and adopt the Kingdom way of life, surrender to a holy God. My name is Leah, and I'm joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. Come on in, take a seat. Class is now in session. To those of you who are new to the podcast, welcome. And to my old faithfuls, welcome back. I have had the absolute privilege of meeting friends from around the world through volunteering with English as a Second Language Ministries a few times, and I always walk away with a really refreshed perspective. I remember when a new friend of mine, she told me that she thought it was actually really rude of Canadians to be so nice, like the kinder thing would be just to get to the point. Or holding the door open for others as long as we do could actually be considered rude. You're putting pressure on the other person to sprint to the door to acknowledge your gesture. Huh. Yeah, I, I'd never heard of that before, and it was so interesting to hear somebody else's perspective on that. I'd never even thought of that before. I've also walked away changed from hearing their stories of loss, escaping horrific circumstances, but they still miss where they're from. Coming to our countries is not always the first choice for so many of these people. And one of the people who has made so many of these introductions for me to my immigrated friends is my guest today, who has dedicated her life to serving cross-culturally in such a beautiful way. My guest today grew up in Edmonton in a house that was not open to strangers at all. At one time, there was barbed wire over the gate. When she came to Christ as a young lady, she longed to have a house of peace where anyone could come over. God granted that desire of her heart when she met her husband, Phil, and together they began a life of hospitality and people poured into their house. After college, she worked with CNMA for 25 years in India, Pakistan, and Canada. And then they served for Family Life Canada, a ministry of power to change for another 11 years, leading their intercultural and international ministry. They now lead Connecting Streams intercultural ministry to newcomers to Canada and refugees. They see the new Canadians and refugees God is bringing to Canada as new neighbors for us to love. Their passion is to love these new neighbors and to help others overcome their fear or hesitation and invite them into their lives and homes. Having done this for 43 years together, their passion now is to help others enter into this rich and fulfilling way of life, a life of welcoming strangers into our lives and making them family. Please welcome to Face School, Lorraine Taylor. Before we go into this episode, at Faith School, we wanted to dig into different areas of life and find connection between each category and our faith in Christ and building His kingdom. And we've called this integrated faith. At this point, you might be wondering what areas of your life that you can reflect His character and kingdom. And we would say all of them. That may seem a little bit overwhelming, but we have a little something to get you started and to really get the wheels turning. 
Our integrated faith inventory is a fabulous quick tool that will give you many common areas of life that you could begin to ask and evaluate. Have I surrendered this to the Lord? Where do I see his character and kingdom reflected in my life? Head over to the link in our show notes to grab a copy and get started integrating your faith today. Okay, let's jump in with my friend, my mentor, Lorraine Taylor. Welcome, Lori, to Faith School. I am over the moon that you are on here with me because I respect you guys so much and I can't wait for people to hear your wisdom and all that you guys have worked through in this particular topic. I'm really excited. So what, first off, we always ask, what are your roles right now and where are you recording from? Well, I'm recording from my home because it's still, you know, the pandemic. Yeah. Um, And my roles are, I work for an organization called Part of Change, and we are in a ministry there called Connecting Streams. Uh, We work with the inner city, um, widows group in the prisons, and cross-culturally with new immigrants, refugees. And my husband and I, that is the particular stream that we are involved in, and that's the newcomers to Canada. Yeah. That's what I did. I love that. And that's kind of, that's how I started volunteering was with you guys in that ministry. And uh, it's a beautiful thing when you get to know some of these people and hear their stories. And um, I learned so much through that partnering with you guys. So you guys have been in full-time ministry for a long time, forever. (laughs) It sometimes feels like forever. Yeah, for actually our whole married life, yes. Wow. Wow. So what drew you guys to full-time ministry? And I would love to know, I know a few places that it's taken you around the world, but where has it taken you? Well, I think what drew me is mostly um, I grew up in a confused faith because you have a whole bunch of rules but not a living faith Mm -hmm. and I grew up in Edmonton I was born in Edmonton and I actually there were not the cultures here that there are now Mm -hmm. and oh my goodness I love our world now but back then there weren't the variety of people and I also grew up in a home amazing mom but a dad that I didn't realize how racist he was but very much like the old Archie Bunker show Mm. and because I was quite strong-willed I used to think in my head I will not be like him so I wanted to know other cultures even from a young kid Mm. and my greatest desire other than sounds lame but I just want to get married have kids Mm. but other than that I wanted to have a totally open home and a house of peace because I didn't grow up in that. Mm -hmm. And as I grew in faith, starting from my early 20s, I don't know, I think I hung out with Jesus and I began to see just how he talks so much about going to the poor or about other people and how Jesus always had time for other people. Mm -hmm. It was something that grew inside of me. And then I met my husband and everything changed. <laughs> we actually met in Bible college and um, we were both new believers and God had done a work both in our lives to kind of nuke the money thing in us because mm. I loved my job. I was a medical record technician. I loved money, but God began to work in us. And when we met, we actually were part of a prayer band group that prayed for the persecuted church. Mm. And then I became one of one in India 
And um, as we prayed for different cultures, and I had a world vision kit, it's like it became our world. And Phil always had a desire to share Christ with people who'd never heard. Mm -hmm. And so I believe a lot of my calling has come through getting to know Jesus and through my husband. Yeah, yeah. So It's amazing what, what God will show us as we're getting to know him better and better and where yeah. he wants us to go. I love that. So where have you guys gone around the world with your ministry? Uh, first was to India. Okay, how can I say this in a nice way? It was the worst culture shock in my life. Mm -hmm. I didn't know any Indian people. The world was so different in mm -hmm. 1983. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so different. And then there was no internet. Um, we couldn't have a landline even. It would take us two years to get a landline. Oh, so wow. we would make these phone calls home once in a while. So I was so incredibly homesick. So that was yeah. tough. But I found it as I got a friend. The whole difference was once I got to know people. So it took us to India. And then it took us to Pakistan. We thought each place would be the rest of our life. But mm -hmm. we had issues of visas, so we came home from India. Mm -hmm. Pakistan, I had cancer. We came home, mm -hmm. and then I had a recurrence. And so the Alliance, who we were with, chose to keep us in Canada, and they sent us to Edmonton here, and we helped um, start a Punjabi church. And mm -hmm. um, so everything just grew from mm -hmm. that. But, and then we actually worked for also Family Life Canada, which is a ministry of power to change. And with that, we began to do marriage conferences all over Sri Lanka, mm -hmm. India, Pakistan, the Middle East, China. Um, so we've been to many places in the world, Haiti, and God has used back then it was the felt need of the family as a bridge for us to tell people about Jesus. Wow. That's so awesome. There's something that happens when you go to another place and there's something really cool that happens when you meet believers in another country. There's like this kind of kindred desire or you're kind of on mission together, which is such a cool feeling that crosses cultures. But then even just getting to know people of other cultures when you're in those spaces, I mean, it just opens your eyes to so much more of who God is and, and what the full image of God really looks like. So I love that. All right. So your current role right now in ministry, what does that look like? And why this type of work specifically? Why does it really work for you guys? Well, our current role is the newcomers to Canada. Mm -hmm. And ultimately, we want to see people come to know Jesus mm -hmm. and experience his power to change our world. And that's what we're about. But we realize Jesus, he talks about taking care of the widows taking care of the orphans. When you read the New Testament, it just seems like it's all about partnering with the people that maybe society kind of forgets about. Mm -hmm. And so for us, it's always been cross-cultural. So the newcomers, the refugees, the new immigrants, it is mostly from when Jesus said, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. And so our heart is for the strangers and then see the strangers become friends and become family. Mm -hmm. We're thriving in it now because um, it sounds strange, but the pandemic has made things boom because people cannot go in person meeting places, but felt need is English. 
Mm-hmm. And I am so not an English teacher, but we do not do English classes. We do what's called Conversation Cafe. And it's where you come on and you learn, you just have conversations. So we will have a topic this week. It's on justice, mm-hmm. which is a powerful topic. We'll have questions and our students who can be anywhere from teenagers up to seniors because they're people that want to practice their English. Mm-hmm. And um, so they will read the questions. We will listen to their stories. There's also a spiritual part on there. We don't do Bible studies. If people have more of a desire, then they can ask us about our discovery groups. And that's where we talk more about um, the spiritual part. Mm-hmm. But it is just powerful. Like you said, Leah, we get to hear their stories. Mm-hmm. And what a different world when you actually hear yeah. how other people live, what they've come from, and um, to just help them fit into the Canadian culture more and to be part of this world. Our lives are so rich because we are with all these people. Oh, yeah, for sure. These people that come to your guys's groups are amazing. I mean, I have learned so much from them in the time that I was with you guys. I mean, not only kind of the hardships that they've gone through, but also just just their unique perspectives and personalities. And they're just truly beautiful people. And I love that you guys are helping them learn English or are there to help them practice their English. I mean, it's fulfilling such a practical need. And really learning English here, it just opens up so many more opportunities for them to thrive in our culture, which is just, it's just so cool. It's just really, really cool. Well, and then that has thrived because of the pandemic. Right. But our other thing is um, hospitality. Right. Yeah. And I married a man who grew up in a home that was always open. And I didn't grow up in that kind of a home, but that was a dream I had. And so together, that is a huge part. And that's the kind of people that we want as volunteers too. that people where it says when Jesus says, I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. There is something about what did somebody say about breaking bread with people? When you share a meal together, when you say, come into my home, we have so many people that have never been in a Canadian home. Mm-hmm. And it makes me very, very sad that that hasn't happened. And an awful lot of the people that are coming here are from cultures where hospitality is a way of life. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think we've lost that in Canada I call it the the lost art of hospitality, and it's not entertaining. I am not Martha Stewart. If people want Martha Stewart, <laughs> don't come to my house. But I, I love to have people in, and I love to have team. So if there's any people that say, oh, I'm kind of nervous about that or whatever, get together with a group, do a barbecue in your backyard. We're not made to do life alone anyway. So yeah, um, yeah it's awesome. That's beautiful. I heard recently, I mean, it was, I mean, I've read this before, but it was reiterated in something I was listening to lately. I'm going to butcher the actual scripture, but basically Jesus saying like, you can invite in your friends anytime yes, and they'll be able to repay you, but you need to invite people in that, that can't repay you. I don't remember where that, where that scripture is, but it was just actually really pressed on me that I haven't done that for a while, at least since the pandemic has started, you know, for some obvious reasons. Yeah life's changed. Yeah. But just how, how powerful that is and how it does make people feel 
so seen. Even just an invitation makes people feel really seen. And that as believers, we should be inviting people in that can't repay us. Yes. It really stuck with me. And I'm still trying to figure out what, what that looks like in my own life right now. All right. So we're going to go into kind of the, the bulk of the conversation, which is okay. going into how do we as believers really reach in cross-culturally to, you know, and because there are some things that we need to keep in mind. And so the first thing that I just want to ask are, what are some misconceptions that you find that people have about working with or even just befriending people of other cultures? What are some of the misconceptions that you guys kind of run into sometimes? I think sometimes people are just, they're afraid Mm -hmm. because they may not know anyone from a different culture, which seems strange to me because in the world we live in now, Canada is so multicultural. And if you're in school, you're going to have schoolmates that are a different culture. Mm -hmm. If you're working, you're going to have people there. Um, So it might be more if you're kind of just in your home or if you're in just your Christian sort of safe church community or whatever. And I would say instead of feeling guilty, find someone who does it well. Okay, Mm -hmm. one of those people would be Stella from our church. Anybody Mm -hmm. who knows Stella knows that still she will always gravitate to the non-Caucasian people. Mm -hmm. So if you go out for coffee with Stella, she might not even talk to you much (laughs) because she she notices everybody else. And she's got no big history of going all over the world. All she knows is she had to move. She was so lonely. And so she looks at people and she sees, wow, they must be lonely or they must need Mm. um, to get to know someone. And she just loves them. And so I would say instead of feeling guilt that, wow, I don't know what to do and I don't know how to meet them, find someone who does it well. And then uh, sometimes we let their dress be a barrier. We -hmm. let their religion be a barrier. Um, We let what we've watched on TV Mm -hmm. or, you know, what we've seen on Facebook or the media, we let that be a barrier and just see them as you would see anyone else. Mm They're just people. So what do you want in your life? How would you like someone to approach you? Yeah. You know, so do the same to them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's powerful. And, And you're right. She does that she does that really, really well. It's amazing. Oh, no <laughs> so oh, when you're dear. sharing about Jesus and the gospel with other cultures, which you guys do weekly, <laughs> like, yeah. you know, that's a, that's a big, big part of your, of your ministry, the main part. What should we keep in mind? I feel like this is really intimidating to do cross-culturally with people that we don't understand maybe. Um, so what are some things that you would encourage us to keep in mind if we're wanting to share a bit more about Jesus. Okay. When I say actions speak louder than words, there there's an old saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm-hmm. And if we are in this just to do a quote presentation, just trying to get somebody to pray a prayer, I don't believe in any of that stuff. I don't, I believe that living for Jesus is it's a way of life mm-hmm. it is a journey. And I see many people journeying into faith, coming into faith. And it is talking about Jesus, finding out about Jesus and then find out about them. What are their stories? Mm-hmm. Um, what, what do they need in their life? Like we can never be where it's all friendship evangelism or it mm-hmm. never gets to be about Jesus, yeah. but it is not like sometimes you're on a plane 
you get a whole chance to share your whole testimony, how Christ changed your life. Yeah. Take it. You may never see that person again. But for your neighbor, um, the best way you can do it at the very beginning is how about just say hi? Yeah. Uh, how about how was your day? Um, you know, bake them some cookies, invite them over for coffee, get to know them, find out about them, read the Gospels and see how did Jesus do it? Mm-hmm. And Jesus met people where they were at, and he definitely met felt needs. Yeah. And so I think that's my thing. Even in our conversation cafes, there's always a spiritual part, but it's definitely, we get people who are all religions or even atheists. Some people have yeah. absolutely no interest. So we um, we want to help them with English. That is a genuine felt need. And then we always have the spiritual part. And that is because it's built right into our lessons. And it says in there, why do we have a spiritual part? Because we are spiritual humans. And Mm. Jesus said, no one can live only on bread. So we don't hide Jesus. Yeah. But it's about, and then if they want more, come to our discovery group. And then that's where we learn to discover who Jesus is. Yeah. So it is a way of life. We want to see people again. It's like getting to know my neighbors. But then, you know, we want that um, they know Jesus. Yeah. You know, yeah. it is all about knowing Jesus, but it is a way of life. I'm really glad that you said that, Lori, because when I really started to pay attention to the way that you guys were living and um, you know, a couple other people in our church, I think what really has changed me in a really, in a really fundamental way watching you guys is that you guys not only like work for a ministry full-time, but you are on mission in your personal lives as well, like every day. And yes, you have these discovery groups and you, and you have, you know, the helping students with their English, but the way that you guys have been like, okay, that's one part of my life, but then look at all these neighbors and look at all these people that, you know, like, it's just, it's just a constant on mission and it's a like a personal life ministry almost or, or or being on mission. I don't really know how to describe it, but it changed something in me where Caleb and I are looking for how we can make this a way of life, that mm-hmm. we are on mission for God in every single part of our life and not just in one area or in a few. How can we be on mission in every single area? And it has changed. It's changed us. And so I'm really... I'm really thankful for your guys' example in that. And you're not just saying that, like, this is who you guys are and how God has changed you guys and has wired you guys. And so Mm -hmm. I'm really grateful that you said that because I just, I think that's so much of my heart behind the show is like, how do we, not only are we like internally changed and sanctified and that we are, you know, praising God in our day to day, but then what's the overflow of that? Well, the overflow is that we're serving. And that we're humbling ourselves and that we are reaching out and we are being there for the people that God has called us to be there in every part of our life. Anyway, I'm just, I'm really glad that you emphasized that because I wanted to make sure that we talked about that at some point. Yeah, no, it is like, we would be about this, whether we are quote working or not. I will be 68 next week. Phil just turned 66. And my greatest prayer now is, God, whatever years I've got left, I want them to 
be the best and used well. And I've just got a desire that it's got to be way more with the poor, absolutely mm. with the poor. And I don't know what it's totally going to look like, but I'm, I have a desire that I will be the grandma on the team, but to mm -hmm. be with a bunch of younger people that want to impact their world and see things change. And I realized that back in our day, okay, we went to college, we got a degree, we maybe went overseas or whatever. The world has changed everywhere you are. It's to be about, this is our purpose. Mm -hmm. And it's not to be weird and have a special language or a special yeah. formula. It is genuine. Like it's where you come alongside people. And my heart's always long for genuine community. Like the old uh, cheer song, you yeah. know, where they walk into the bar and it's like a place where everyone knew your name. Yeah. And I've longed for that my whole life. And I love that some of these people, like we volunteer every Friday. It's called the Grocery Run. We go downtown and it is a totally secular group through the university. Our son and his wife got us connected to this. And a lot of our students now who are, mm -hmm. uh, some are older than us, some are a lot younger, but they volunteer too. And we might see each other, you know, and we say hi and we recognize each other with our masks on, but just out there serving the poor, um, giving groceries, like, and you just see it's a community. And when you start helping other people and not helps that hinder and not us and them, yeah. you know, but genuinely meeting the needs of other people, you receive more than you'll ever give. Yeah. And it's powerful to see our students doing that. Yeah. Like just, it's powerful. One guy, you know, he could do it because he lost his job, you know, and some of them now they can't help anymore because they got jobs and stuff, but just, it is just, it's awesome to serve together. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I want to go there a little bit with the idea of it's not us and them, mm. because I think that's really important to remember. And, I, and one of the questions I had was like, what do you try to keep at the forefront of your mind to maintain their dignity and to really respect their perspectives and, and who they are and what their culture is all about? Yes. I think we can tie that together. What do you guys try to do to really make sure that you're maintaining their dignity as you're sharing about, about Jesus? Um, I think sometimes what the hardest thing is we come in ideal like, mm -hmm. while we are ideal Christians, we're people of love, we do yeah. this, we're not racist, you know, and we just had a man in one of our groups this week, and part of his prayer was, God, help us to all look in the mirror, mm -hmm. and to see the racism in all of us, and you know what I mean, like, to think, not us and them, like, it's not, we are right, you <laughs> are wrong, mm -hmm. um, an awful lot of our gospel and Christianity is Western, mm -hmm. you know, so hang out with Jesus, find out about Jesus. Who did he hang out with? What did he have to say about people? And I think that for me, having grown up in a very more legalistic type way of life, oh my goodness, it has taken me years mm -hmm. to not us and them, us and them, you know, we are the right people, you are the wrong people, come join us. Instead of, here am I, Lorraine, born a Christian, meaning born into the Christian religion. Here is my friend, born Hindu, or born Muslim, or born atheist. And what is what do we have to do? We both have to come to know Jesus. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not my religion, right? Yours is wrong. Please join my religion. No, yeah. God determined the time set for us, the exact places we should live. He is the one that made me what I am. He made them what they are. But the common thing is to come to know Jesus yeah. in the middle. So, And then to not be defensive. And for me, oh my goodness, <laughs> some people are not those kind of people. I am that kind of people where you you say something against my kids, even though, you know, uh, two are in their 40s. Whoa, I would defend, (laughs) you know, but to not be defensive and to try to be like Jesus and try to go the second mile and try to love. In fact, the only people he seemed to really get on were the religious people. Mm hmm. You know, and so, yeah, it's a journey, an absolute journey, because like I'm still working on that. Mm -hmm. Oh, I used to be so proud I'm a Canadian. Mm -hmm. Well, that's all gotten blown up when you see our history, right? Mm -hmm. And now I'm so sorry for the, you know, the sins that were done against people and even the ignorance that I did not know, that I really did not know. But now that I know, yeah, I'm really sorry. And I will try to to live better and to do better and to love better. Mm -hmm. And so to own my own stuff and the, the sin of my culture, you know what I mean? Culture is neutral kind of, we have good things. We have bad things. They have good things. They have bad things. So what can we come together on? And so it's not join my side because I'm right. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Let's meet Jesus together. Yeah. 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 I love that. All right. What would you say? Cause you've done both where you have gone to somebody else's context and you also have, you know, you work with people that have come to ours. Yes. So what would you say is like the real difference between working with other cultures in their context versus when they have immigrated into ours? Well, many of the people that are here, they want to be here. Hmm. And so that's a plus and they want to know how can they fit into the culture? Some people though, the sad thing is like refugees, they had to come here. Like our Syrian friends, they want to be in Syria. Yeah. They want their own country. They didn't come here because they were looking for the Canadian dream. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. but I have found that it's been easier for me because I am Canadian. So I feel like I'm not apologizing for my culture, for the color of my skin anymore, because I'm always was most of my life now, especially my adult life, I'm sort of trying to always fit into someone else's world, Mm. right? I'm trying to um, learn a little bit of their language, their culture. When I lived in Pakistan, I always wore shalwar kameez. I Mm. always dressed like the women there. In India, you know, it's different. There's Western dress too, but trying to not offend, trying to learn more, which is very good. But I find here in some ways I can relax more because they want to know about being a Canadian, Mm. but then I'm still very gracious. Like I do not show up in a Muslim home in shorts and a tank top. Right, right. You know, I'm gracious when I deliver the groceries that most homes I'm going to are Muslim homes. So, you know, I'm I'm just careful. Yeah, I'm very I'm just I'm very careful. But I love the other cultures like, oh my goodness, the now that I've adjusted more and I've had years to just learn more, mm-hmm. I get so much respect in the other side of the world because I'm old. 
<laughs> That's a plus. You know, that our Ch- Asian friends, our Chinese friends, Indian friends, Pakistani friends, even First Nation, they value older people. Mm-hmm. So that has been kind of wonderful. Mm-hmm. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I'm more careful in the other countries to try to know what's appropriate. I don't want the stereotypical, like when we were in Pakistan, we were doing a marriage conference. I always covered my head because I didn't want that my head would put a barrier between what they would hear from Yeah, me. yeah. Even with like not putting our Bible on the ground oh, right? or writing in it, right? Like those things can be a distraction when we're trying to reach people, right? Just being careful. Like, so I don't say be phony, be legalistic, but be careful. Like when Paul said, if um, eating meat will cause people to stumble, I won't eat meat, right? Right. So I buy halal chicken, right? Mm -hmm. If I'm going to have um, a meal in my home, Muslim friends are coming, or if we're doing a potluck in the church, we're having people, I will make sure everything I prepare is halal and chicken. Mm -hmm. because I don't want to ever serve beef, because Mm -hmm. if Hindu friends show up, so I'm conscious to know a little bit about people's religion, and things I don't know, ask. Yeah, you know, exactly. Ask them for their story. Because if you want to know about Christianity, it's sort of better to ask some people, because there's such a wide range. And there is with other religions, too. So what is their story? Yeah, for sure. Getting to know them on an individual level. Awesome. Okay. So in the work that you're doing, serving our immigrated neighbors and friends, what do you find are kind of the highest needs? What are some practical ways that we can love and serve cross-culturally? People need English. Mm -hmm. What an incredible felt need. People need English more so than ever, because for jobs now, um, to relate to their children, we have Korean mm. friends, South Korean friends, and what they're having such a hard time is, so they've immigrated here, but their children, English is becoming their mother tongue, and they're kind of worried that they really can't communicate that well with their kids even because they're thinking in Korean and the kids are thinking in English. So just the dilemma there. And I would say not everybody, but many, many people need friends. Mm -hmm. They need welcoming people who want to get to know them. Because a lot of people do have a culture that they come, I mean, a culture, a community that they do come to. Yeah. I'd say a lot of people, um, when I ask the question, I ask my Pakistani friend, do you have any Christian friends? or not friend, you mean, I've just gotten to know her. She said, I don't have any. And I said, well, I will be your first. Mm. <laughs> and not only that, just, just a plain old Canadian friend, many. Um, so I would say, help them with English. And how do you help? Get to know them. Yeah. Just be their friend. Yeah, I love that. It is such a felt need here. I mean, it, you know, especially in our context, uh, it's really important that they learn English. And I found, I could be wrong, Laura, you can correct me, but I found that a lot of them won't step outside of their own communities because they're really intimidated by English. So they kind of stick to people that know their language and like their cultures and all that kind of stuff. But once you, if you can bridge the gap a little bit by making English less intimidating or, you know, trying to just encourage them that I'm here for you, no matter what, like take your time and how, you know, or in what you're trying to say to me or whatever, trying to bridge the gap that way. Um, it's really powerful, really powerful. 
and, and helps them kind of break down some of the obstacles that they might be feeling being here with us. Well, and I think some of the older people are going to remain in their own language because it's sure. so difficult. Yeah, but yeah. anybody who is young and um, to be um, permanent residents, like there are qualifications yeah. and the majority of people are going to the English schools. But in the school, they're learning grammar, they're learning vocabulary. I studied Urdu for 18 months, six hours a day. And oh my goodness, I was so afraid to go to the bazaar and speak. And I look at the people we're with now, how brave they are, courageous, what they do, because I know the years of feeling stupid and like I couldn't do it. And because I only ended up being there full time for two years, I relied on my husband more. Mm. And I became quiet, which is not my nature. But (laughs) so if we can help people, you know, just begin to speak better and even little things like one girl just told me the other day, she said, Lori, if you would just please slow down, Mm. just slow down. Yeah, yeah, totally. Okay. When we're talking about the big C church, where do you see kind of a gap? Like, where would you like to see? the church at large really step up and serve and do justice with those who are of a different culture? Well, I'd say read your Bible. Oh my (laughs) goodness. What's wrong with us? We say we want to be like Jesus, follow Mm -hmm. Jesus. Yeah. But so often we use the old Testament and we go back to the blessings, which we equate with prosperity and money and success. If you actually hang out in the New Testament and the Sermon on the Mount, I mean, I'm reviewing much, but um, we've memorized the Sermon on the Mount and you see what Jesus is like. We cannot walk away from that way of life. Mm-hmm. And when Jesus at the end says, I was hungry, you gave me something to eat, thirsty, you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you clothed me. I was in prison and sick and you visited me. I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. Well, if we're not doing those things, do we really follow Jesus? But let me read to you something from our lesson today. Mm -hmm. And it says, is justice important to God? And this is from the message. So it's Jeremiah and Amos. This is God's message. Attend to matters of justice. Set things right between people. Rescue victims from their exploiters. Don't take advantage of the homeless, the orphans, the widows. Stop the murdering. I can't stand your religious meetings. I'm fed up with your conferences and conventions. I want nothing to do with your religion projects, your pretentious slogans and goals. I'm sick of your fundraising schemes, your public relations and image making. I've had all I can take of your noisy ego music. When was the last time you sang to me? Do you want what I want? I want justice, oceans of it. I want fairness, rivers of it. Mm. That's what I want. That's all I want. And I mean, this is Old Testament. So if you want the Old Testament, and then what did Jesus say? The spirit of the Lord is on me. He's proclaimed me to preach the gospel. First thing to the poor. Mm -hmm. right? To give sight to the blind. So you hang out in the New Testament, you read what Jesus has to say. And I would say, I don't want to be negative, because I believe a lot of people are trying, they just don't know what to do. And I think the pandemic, God has done such an amazing thing, not amazing, 
Well, Kate is amazing. But mm-hmm. I mean, where he can use what is negative and hard and bad, and he can bring good from it. For the yeah. first time in my history, I feel for the rest of the world. Mm. We went to Nigeria and we got um, in the airport checked twice to make sure we had no fevers because mm. of Ebola. Mm. And we had to get a yellow fever vaccination in order to even get into that country and stuff. But I realized it's not just, oh, no, what's happening in that part of the world. This pandemic is worldwide. Yeah. So we have friends in India who've lost so many loved ones and are working. And what their question was is pray for us. We are doing this. We have lost so many people. What is the church in Canada doing? Mm. And I thought, wow, so let's be doing something. So let's not feel guilty or accuse each other, but let's do something and let's hang out with Jesus and get into the gospels, get into the New Testament and see what did he do and show me your faith by your works. I just read James today and you cannot take the two apart. And so if we really want to do um, the two greatest commandments, love God with all our heart, love our neighbor as ourself, then um, we have to be part of these things. Yeah. Like I'm not a political person, but I've been watching everything on the news. Um, the George Floyd, um, the thing, the child, the everything. And I'm not for violence and I'm not for that, but I am for standing up and mm-hmm. saying we have to do something. We have to be involved. Like yeah. Leo, you know that you're involved. We have to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, I think I'm just talking to you about this uh, last time I, we talked, but I just feel so convicted that we have missed what Jesus was trying to do here and just how much he talked about the kingdom of God and us participating in that work of bringing his kingdom. You know, he asked us to help him bring the kingdom and to turn everything upside down. Mm-hmm. And that starts with those things, serving the poor, you know, visiting the imprisoned and the sick and like all the things, right? With the widows and orphans, all that stuff. When we step in to do that justice work, it turns things upside down. It brings us closer to him and to see the, you know, the the fuller picture of what the kingdom of God is and, and, and reveals more of the kingdom. And uh, it's just, it's so powerful. And when you really do read the gospels, especially, you see that that is what Jesus really came to do. He came for a personal salvation. Absolutely. But there's just so much more And um, I'm really excited about this personal revelation that I've had, but also just for other people to really make it about their life. Like the way of life is building Mm -hmm. God's kingdom and it is stepping in to do those things. And that's how we show him that we love him. I believe that God has been doing a sanctifying work in us as a church. And I'm excited to see what he's going to do in the next few years. I'm really hoping and praying that we just get to see more and more fruit of what this last year and a bit has brought us. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Somebody said we, in our generation, we get the first time for maybe things to change Mm -hmm. because we need a reformation, right? We need a new way of life. And I believe that church is a way of life. It's definitely not a series of meetings. It's not a building. I believe you can come together to celebrate, but it is a way of life. And it is the upside down kingdom. Absolutely. And we're, we are ambassadors. Our citizenship is in heaven. So this is just part of our journey 
on the way. And I'm, you know, 68 almost now. So my role is different now than it was when I had kids at home. Yeah. It's always been about cross-cultural. It's always been about opening up my home. But it is, I can't touch the whole world. I have never done so many puzzles as I've done in this pandemic. And these <laughs> thousand pieces. And, but I look at it. It's like all those pieces. There's a million, okay, at least a thousand things out there we can do. But what can we do? I can't do it all. Yeah. And I don't like too many choices. It just, it gives me stress. But um, what can I do? Wednesdays become my day of, it happened because a co-worker's husband's very sick. And I said, what do you need? She said, if you could just bring me a meal. So mm -hmm. I've been bringing her meals since January, every Wednesday. Wow. And then it's like, if I make her one, why wouldn't I make one for my neighbor behind me? His wife mm -hmm. has got cancer too. And then different people. So just what can I do? I can't mm -hmm. do it all, but what can I do? And then the power of team. Yeah. Like I might be afraid. I don't know any people from a different country. Well, find a Stella who does. Yeah. Yeah. And hang out with her. Totally. Totally. I'm glad that I'm glad that we're kind of uh, segueing into that again of it just being a way of life and with neighbors because you guys are great examples of good neighbors and I've learned a lot from you guys. Um, but it isn't can be intimidating like we just you just said like it can be intimidating to start those relationships. So what are some of those really practical first steps and it'd probably be really obvious but what are some of those really practical first steps that we can take to be a better neighbor saying hello. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you know what, um, we've had different people move. So mm -hmm. I can be so guilty of having been very close to one neighbor where she ended up dying. And after she moved and Phil even did her funeral, but then new neighbors come, new neighbors come. Mm -hmm. So how do you be a better neighbor? This has been incredible because of the pandemic. People walk everybody's out walking and now is the season so winter we have cold climate and a cold culture we're very private very mm -hmm. um you know personal everything's personal jesus is my personal savior right we have our mm -hmm. personal space and so we need to hang out with some of the cultures that are more the hot cultures and they know about hospitality more but just saying hello to someone, just stopping and talking, just going for a walk. Mm -hmm. And we've tried the big things. Every Christmas, we give out 50 invitations. We never get that many people come to our open house, but we do get more. Yeah. And then, so just start where you're at. And the same thing I would say, if you're really scared, find someone who is doing something and learn from them. Yeah. Yeah, that's perfect. And hopefully we all know somebody that's doing this really well. <laughs> well, don't go door to door two by two, but people <laughs> free. But just, yeah, maybe just find somebody. If you have little children, hopefully someone in your area, your kids go to the same school. Right, right. Or if once this pandemic is done, kids are on the same teams soccer teams, whatever. So wherever you are, try to find someone there you can just you know, just start where you're at. My daughter, Amy, has taught me so much. She is so incredible. Everywhere we go, she greets everybody. Yeah. And you know how you walk into Ikea, you walk into Walmart, they always have greeters. Well, she talks to them. 
Mm-hmm. They say hi, or she talks to every cashier. So just start small and um, just be kind. Yeah. It gets easier over time, really building yes. that muscle. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It does. Well, Lori, this has been so awesome. I just am really grateful for everything that you've shared. And I, I think that I don't know. I was feeling it in my spirit. I think that this is going to be reaching in deep for someone in particular. So I'm just really grateful for everything that you shared. And as we wrap up, there's just a few questions that we like to ask people. And first one is what are some resources that you would recommend about this particular topic? Well, you know, my husband said, give them your best authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and Paul. (laughs) But anyways, you know, I've read different books on different cultures, all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But um, Stranger God, Meeting Jesus in Disguise, Mm. really impacted me. Mm. I mean, there's even old songs about us being the hands and feet of Jesus. But what about if when we're going out there, we actually are expecting to meet Jesus? Right. I was a stranger and you walk into me in and they'll say, what, Lord, when did we do that? When you did it to the least of these. Mm. So when we're out there, we'll be bumping into Jesus as we serve other people. A book, it's a, it's an old book, but it's also been updated by um, Ronald Sider, I believe his name is. Rich Christians in an Age of Hunger mm. and how we cannot avoid helping the poor. God has given us so much And one day we will stand before him and account for all we've had. Mm -hmm. And just the book, um, The Gospel Comes with a House Key. Oh, yeah. Rosaria Butterfield, right? Absolutely. It's a long read. And some things we are very different, but hospitality, it's a way of life. Yeah. You know, and some people can't. I grew up in a home. My mother did not have freedom to do that. So a lot depends on, yeah. like Phil and I are in this together, you know, but so a lot of people don't. So um, be hospitable, like with taking people to Tim Hortons or yeah. maybe going to Stella's house, you know, being with her. So the power yeah. of team, not all of us can have an open home. Yeah, that's powerful. So those are some of them, a thousand gifts of thanks. Yeah, that's powerful. Just to be grateful. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. Okay. We're going to have all of those in the show notes for people to try to pick up. Um, The second one is what is a spiritual practice or discipline that has been really life-giving for you right now? Oh, I didn't know that was coming in. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. Okay. I could do a whole show on this, but um, well, no, not this part, but memorizing scripture. Mm-hmm. I live with a Bible and that's my husband. He has memorized so much. And when I learned to quit comparing myself to him mm-hmm. and go, then I've done much better, but memorizing the Sermon on the Mount, memorizing so that you want to tear down the lies in your brain, you put up the wallpaper of God's word. What's mm-hmm. powerful when it's actually in your mind. Yeah. Um, my life verse now for Phil and I is from the message where Jesus says, are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Mm -hmm. Walk with me, work with me, watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And I tell you, walking with Jesus We've done the Camino de Santiago three times. As soon as we get (laughs) the green light, we are off to walk 
the whole um, pilgrimage from Portugal to Spain. Mm -hmm. There's something about literally making it a practice to walk with Jesus and then times to just come away Mm -hmm. and just less is more. Like I'm trying to free up my life, free up my brain, free up everything. And where it's just more about the upside down kingdom, more Mm -hmm. about just walking with Jesus, working with Jesus, watching how he does it. Yeah. Wow. I actually, I have a card that I think you guys gave me that has that verse. Mm -hmm. I think it's still in my wallet. Like I, I keep it with me. It really, that verse is a very, very good reminder. All right. If you could assign one piece of homework to my faith school listeners, what would it be? Sermon on the Mount. (laughs) (laughs) That's it. And I would say, find out how did Jesus do it? Or the Sermon on the Mount for, you know, just the upside down kingdom for the way you would like to live and then hang out in the gospels and see what Jesus did. Like we all have responsibilities, right? Especially Mm -hmm. like I think of young moms. Oh my goodness. Everybody wants a PCU. It's just so life is so full. And then many women, yeah, you have to work or you're trying to balance everything, but then find out how Jesus did it. And then trying to less is more. Like I'm trying to never add to my plate unless I take something off. I am not a big plate person Mm -hmm. and I cannot do tons of stuff, but what can I do? And I can uh, do that well. And so I would just say, hang out in the gospels, you know, and see what did Jesus do and um, making this become a way of life. Yeah. Like a way of life. And then just asking God, okay, God, you know, what do you have for me? Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Oh, perfect. Okay. And anything else that you would like to share with us? Make sure you you have a day off and a date night if you're married. (laughs) (laughs) Amen. Amen. (laughs) That was Jesus. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes it's just the interruptions. We have no idea why he was going to a certain city, but we knew he went to someone's house. We knew he healed someone or we knew he got away. And I love the chosen. It shows Mm -hmm. just the human side more the fun the community of them being together and so that's what i would say to have some white space in your life you know it's like reading a book i hate when there's too many words on the page i like the borders so Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes perfect well thank you seriously (laughs) so much for coming on i you're welcome really appreciate you in this interview but also in real life you guys are just i would consider mentors and friends and I have loved learning from you I've told this to you recently but when I was volunteering with you guys heavily that one year it was the hardest year of my Mm -hmm. life and I'm just so grateful that I had you guys to journey with through that and uh, to be examples and to show me show me more of Jesus so I'm just really really grateful for you guys you are welcome well and also there's okay it's this is just par for the course after Mm -hmm. but um there's a book called shattered dreams god's unexpected pathway to joy and it's larry crabb who i believe has now passed away Mm. and um i read that first many 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 years ago when i thought my life was done or part of it oh my there were so many more things to come i read that book the fourth time after my brother died And I began to see, wow, God's got something new. And I've read it two more times since. And it's from the book of Ruth. 
Mm. Where where Naomi says, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. God took me out full and he's brought me back empty. But then just how God filled her arms with that little child and how God gave her new dreams. And and that has been powerful for me. Mm. And so when you talk about that being the hardest year, I, I've been to Venice. I've seen the mosaics. And I love sometimes that when you step back, this beautiful picture, you go close all the broken pieces. Mm-hmm. But that's us. Mm-hmm. And I used to want to hide the broken pieces. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I pulled back for many, many years because I used to share my heart with everyone. Mm-hmm. I've become wiser, but I would pull back and Phil used to say to me, Laura, you're avoiding great hurt, but you're also avoiding great good. You know, mm-hmm. your story can help someone. Mm-hmm. And just to realize so many shattered dreams, like one day, Leah, you, well, you'll look back and you'll just see, wow, that was part of my life. Yeah. Right. God comforts us. Why? so that we can be comforted by Jesus and then we can comfort someone else. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, so. Beautiful. Takes a lifetime. Yeah. <laughs> it's like mothering Leah. It's your whole life. <laughs> That's so true. That's so true. Well, thank you again. I really appreciate You're it. Welcome. During this interview, there was something honestly going on in my spirit that assured me that someone today would be significantly impacted by this episode. First off, if that was you, I want you to say hey to me on social media. And secondly, don't sit on a good episode and not do something about it. This is a call on your life to build God's kingdom in beautiful, beautiful ways. Pray about your next step and pursue Jesus and the scriptures. Follow him into the adventure. Thank you again to Lori for coming on the show. She really is honestly the real deal, following Jesus in some of the most sacrificial ways. And I have so much respect for her and Phil. Next week, we have one of my favorite people on the planet on the show for the second time, and that is my husband. This is a special one because we are having our 10 year anniversary this year. And so we will be chatting about what we've learned, taking your relationship questions and trying to point you towards Jesus in your marriage and relationships. Make sure that you click follow on your favorite podcast player so you don't miss a thing. If you want to catch me on the socials, you can find me at at leah.rempel or at faithschoolpod on Instagram or in our Facebook group, Intentional Women of Faith. I'm happy to continue serving you on those platforms. Thank you for spending a little time with us today at Faith School and I-68 Ministries. We are praying that you feel fully surrendered today to the God who made you loves you, and wants to partner with you. Class is now dismissed. Go out there and build his kingdom.